Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. But later we'll have one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's looking at the most effective notes are the ones taken by hand. We're also talking with Christina Sikiotis about innovation and building a team. But right now we're going to pop over to AV Chartered Accountants and have our monthly chat with Tony Vidre. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Gillian. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm very well. I've found that um, the notes that I take um, by hand these days, that they, they used to be effective, but they're not as effective these days because I can't read my own handwriting. So you, you need to do it uh, electronically. I need, to, I need to type on an iPad and email it to myself because I can't read my own handwriting these days. Well, I uh, was at a conference on the weekend and I spent the, the weekend on my iPad taking notes uh, and I would suggest that 90% of the room were doing the same thing. So. Do you know when, when iPads first came out, I, I heard of a great story of um, a participant who was sitting there with their iPad and the presenter was getting really, really cheesed off with um, you know, uh, this particular person not paying attention and, um, and made the assumption that they were just on their emails and whatnot and, and in the end ended up calling them out about it and they said... I'm actually on Twitter tweeting all the great things that you're saying about the conference. <laughs> I know as, as a presenter that often when people are sitting there on their mobile phones, you do feel a little bit as if they're not with you. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, they could be saying very complimentary things about your, about your presentation. You never know. So uh, the bank deposit tax. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, just a very quick one. That was one of those things that was um, announced quite some time ago. And if you go back to before the GST, and you might remember there, there used to be a couple of bank deposit tax. There was one called Financial Institutions Duty, FID, um, that yep. taxed, I think it was 03 of a percent uh, of every um, deposit, which everyone found a bit annoying. Um, and then there was also a bad tax, which was a bank account de uh, debits tax. Every time you pull money out of an account, um, the banks also weren't used to charge you. Now, those taxes disappeared um, when the GST was introduced, and uh, like anything, uh, you know, slowly they, they tend to creep in. Well, there was, there was an announcement that the government was going to uh, bring it back in in the budget, um, but about a month ago they made another announcement saying that they're not going to proceed um, with the, uh, the bank deposit tax. I think something... Um, tells me that they realise that all the banks would do is just pass on the the cost directly to the uh, to the consumer, and and that's not um, that's not very palpable from a uh, political point of view. So they dropped it. Of course, they are going to do a big refurbishment of taxation anyway. Maybe it will pop back in again. <laughs> How many? Look, yeah, look, I, I get, you know, I'll get on my soapbox. How many times do do, do um, governments have to commission these external reports? You know, the Henry report that was written more than probably five years ago was over a thousand pages long, and they came up with some really, really good suggestions. The trouble is, um, governments on both sides they tend to cherry pick the bits that they want to read out of it, yeah. and largely leave all the really, you know, the proper reforms that are desperately needed. They just leave them um, sitting on a shelf somewhere. Probably because they're a little bit unpalatable. They're too hard to sell. That's it. <laughs> Mm. So, talking about uh, Christmas presents, and we're coming up to uh, Christmas, 50 days to Christmas, I believe. Today. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, Although it's uh, November the 5th, uh, Guy Fawkes Day. <laughs> oh, that's right. It is too. Well done. So, um, tax-free Christmas parties and, and the sorts of things we should think about with uh, um, holding those uh, events and cash bonuses and so forth. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought leading into Christmas we'd have a little bit of a chat. These are the sort of um, questions that people start to ask um, from now through to about January and February on, on how 
um, how much they can spend, how much can we get away with? Is there sort of a you know like a tax-free um, threshold? So I thought we'd spend some time going going through um, some of these. One of the one of the takeaways that people need to remember with this sort of stuff is that there is a, a kind of get out of jail free card with this sort of stuff, and that is what they call minor benefits. Now, there's a minor benefit rule which essentially says if the benefit you're providing is less than $300, then and and the benefit that is, um, that you're providing is infrequent or irregular. So it has to. There can't be a pattern to it. It can't be you know once a month, once a, a fortnight. So if it's around Christmas time, it's under $300. It's per person. It's per benefit, and it's not considered a reward for services. Then it's exempt from fringe benefits tax. Okay. And and that's that's the real key. So for example. Let's say that I um, I throw a Christmas party and it costs you know under three hundred dollars per person, and then I also decide to go and buy everyone a ham because a lot of people ask you know mm-hmm. to buy hampers and hams. They are two separate benefits, mm. um, so both both are separately tested under the for the three hundred dollar um, threshold. As long as we, I don't do it all the time, it's it's infrequent and it's irregular. It's and it's not part of their um, salary package and. It's, <laughs> Uh, or you know, considered a reward for for what they've done, then um, then it's it's uh, exempt from fringe benefits tax um, and deductible to the employer. Now, now one of the things I've spoken to lawyers about when we talk Christmas parties is, you know, providing alcohol and therefore getting the employees home safely. Can we include taxi taxis and those sorts of things in the taxis? Taxis is a real interesting one, and and um, yeah, I love the, I love what you say about yeah the lawyers. The lawyers tend to get involved around Christmas time all the time because there's some sort of incident um, with alcohol that tends to land the employer in, um, into, uh, into hot water. Um, I don't understand why the ATA does this because you would think that from a safety point of view they would just make all taxi travel around the Christmas party exempt from fringe benefits. But no, they have to complicate um, things a little bit. So if the taxi travel is from work to a venue where the party is being held, now this assumes obviously it's you know, on, a, on a working day, on a working week, um, then it's, that's exempt, um, it's an exempt fringe benefit, okay? Mm. But if you're taking them from the venue back home, then that attracts fringe benefits tax okay. if you're trying to get them home. And I, that, I just shake my head at that. I think just let them get home safely. Everyone's a winner. Um, you don't have any uh, incidents then that you can pull them into a taxi and get them home. But, uh, yeah, sadly, that last leg is, uh, is subject to FBT. Yeah. And so that $300 would also come in with the a cash bonus at Christmas time? No. No, oh, no, 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 no. Cash bonuses are completely different. A cash bonus is a reward for um, services. So, okay. yeah, the ATO are quite specific on this, that if, yeah, if you give them anything from a, a, a dollar... Um, upwards, it is salary and wages, and all the normal rules apply. It is a okay. bonus. It needs to go through PAYG. Super applies to it. Yada yada yada. So yeah, yeah. that's um, yeah, that's that's a that's a bit of a tricky one. Christmas okay. bonuses are, are um, yeah, definitely accessible. So I ever, ever tell the story? I had a client years ago who had an employee who asked for an advance on his Christmas bonus <laughs> in November. <laughs> I was, I thought that was quite. A Okay, so Christmas parties without alcohol are the way to go, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, and look, there's probably one extra thing here. The, the location of the party also tends to be important as well because if you keep things on the, the workplace um, premises um, and you limit it just to um, staff, um, then, it's um, it, again, it's, it, you don't pay fringe benefits tax on it. Okay. If you start to bring, allow the staff to bring their spouses 
as long as, again, you stay under the $300 limit, then it also remains um, FBT free. But once you start going away from the workplace, then you've got to make sure that it's a, a minor benefit and, um, and keep it under the, the $300 threshold, which these days I don't think it's too hard to, to spend less than $300 per person. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time again, Tony. We'll have a chat with you again just before Christmas uh, next month. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there with uh, preparations for Christmas coming up uh, and make sure that we uh, follow the rules. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's coming up to 24 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis for our Minute on Innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. And yourself? I'm pretty good too, thank you. We were just talking earlier about uh, people starting up a business and obviously they take on so many of the tasks themselves and then they have to start yep. to build a team. Yeah, so we, you know, it, it, the same kind of um, philosophy goes to startups and scale-ups. What, what I find uh, a lot in consultation is that they often struggle with time management because they're trying to be the visionary, the planner, the accountant, the marketer, the social media and web specialist, Trying to, trying to do everything, um, which brings us back to a lot of the conversations we have had around teamwork and Ernesto Soroli's idea that on a team you need the visionary, the marketer and the accountant because everybody needs to be a specialist in their own area. And what I've also found is that accelerators are looking for teams. And, you know, you even look at the Shark Tank, and I think if people go into watching the second series of Shark Tank, if that's what they want to do, um, they'll notice that, that there's more emphasis on the team because what happens is there's this whole movement away from solopreneurs at the moment. With a team, you've got collaboration, you've got a brain's trust, you've got people that you can throw ideas around. Um, and the point that leads on to that as well is that you need to engage your whole team, you need to have an innovative culture if you want things to move forward. And, yes, outsourcing then becomes the next step. So once you become, um, you reach a certain growth period then it's time to start thinking about outsourcing what it is that you're not good at and what it is that you don't enjoy doing so that you can focus on being the visionary or being the marketer or getting on mm. with you know the bits and pieces around the business that you like. Mm. Now, the whole thing there is where do you then outsource? So um, I'm, a particular, I'm particularly fond of outsourcing things um, internally within, within your um, group of, of uh, um teams and within your group of, of people that you associate with, but you came up with a really great example of what happens when you can outsource outside of area. So I, I would like you to, to tell that story again because I think that is very valid as well. Yeah, I was, I was speaking to a young man who's uh, set, set up a very successful business and uh, about five years ago he outsourced his uh, virtual assistant to uh, the Philippines and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people do complain and say, well, you're taking the money offshore and you're not uh, leaving it here in Australia. But uh, over the years, his business has grown tremendously. He's now got 12 uh, virtual assistants over in the Philippines. But as a result of that, every time he puts on an, a virtual assistant over there, his business increases in size and he puts on two more staff members in Australia. So, uh, Which is, Yeah, it's a great case study. It's a great case study for there's not one size fits all and what you mm. really need to do is go out there and find out what's going on in the industry to figure out what's best for you. Yeah, because if he hadn't put these virtual assistants on, his business would not have grown and he wouldn't have employed all these extra people. 
That's right. And at your different growth levels um, within your organisation, then you are able to, to, you know, employ somebody else that might be closer to home or that might be an expert in the field. And it's always, always, always needing to come back to that, have you got the right team on the bus, as Jim Collins says. So it's always having the right team members with the right attitude, with the right value systems and creating that innovative culture that is necessary for things to move forward. And uh, I know you're a big uh, follower of, of TED, the uh, mm-hmm. videos online. But again, uh, I met another young man on the weekend who, who you possibly know, Dale Beaumont, who set up his own TV, 24-hour TV channel for educating businesses with uh, with videos live all day, every day. Um, yep. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be featured on that. In fact, today, the uh, today's show is me. Um, talking about uh, getting pricing and so forth, but uh, he's uh, you know it's free, it's free education for businesses, and really you can sit on there and, and look for an hour every day and and look at a video that it will help you build your business. So talk, that's really great innovation again from Australia. Yeah, and the, you know the thing is that there's so much information out there. Part of the problem is filtering through that information. But you know, one of my com- most common phrases at the moment is Google is small business's best friend because mm. if you have a problem, it's you a really the good first point of call. Yeah, absolutely. So Fantastic solutions. Okay, well we'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it. Have, have a, a great, great week. week. You too. Bye bye. Christine Sikiatis there looking, yeah, outsourcing could be a solution for a problem and that is innovative rather than struggling trying to do things for yourself. Outsource, preferably locally, but if you can't do it locally, find a way of improving and building your business. And it's uh, 28 minutes to two. Time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one, as I said earlier, the most effective notes are the ones taken by hand. Few people bring a pen and notepaper to meetings anymore, instead of taking notes by hand, more and more of us take them on a laptop or a tablet. This change makes sense. Digital devices just seem more convenient, plus they let you multitask during the meeting. But research has found that there are real benefits to taking notes by hand. Studies have shown that typing encourages mindless verbatim transcription of what you're hearing. But writing by hand helps us take both fewer and better notes. Long hands' slower pace forces us to record ideas more succinctly and in our own words, which boosts our ability to recall those ideas later. After all, notes should help us quickly remember the most important points, not the entire meeting. So try bringing a pen and notebook to your next meeting. Your memory will thank you. And as I said on the weekend, I spent a lot of time on my iPad taking notes and I think it's probably right. I don't remember a lot of things. I have to keep going back to the iPad to remember the points that I wrote down. And it's probably better to embed them in your mind. We also spoke earlier with uh, Christina about the uh, 24-hour business TV channel that uh, has been launched. And uh, I would recommend that you go and have a look at it. It's free. It's at businessblueprint.com, oblique stroke program hyphen guide. That's businessblueprint.com oblique stroke program hyphen guide and as I did mention also uh, I have a video on there today called uh, it's your money so get paid talking about getting your pricing right getting your money in the door and also Justin Herald has a video on there today so my my one is being um, aired at two o'clock four o'clock six o'clock today 
and Justin Herald is on the other hours there. So worth having a look. They have fantastic business tips uh, and ideas every single day for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have a chat with Steve Markey about insurance, a minute on innovation with Christina Sikiatis, and of course, look at some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Charles W. Elliott once said, all business proceeds on beliefs or judgments of probabilities and not on certainties. <laughs>